Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know this is a familiar, unfamiliar face. Alex McShane is not able to join us today, and I am going to be your host. Welcome to the 30th episode of Bitcoin Magazine Live. We have some fun segments today and some awesome guests, and we'll kick it off right away with our first guest, Andrew Yang over at Casa. Andrew, thank you so much for uh, coming on Bitcoin Magazine Live, man. How you doing? Yo, I'm doing good. Maybe your viewers are a little disappointed not to see the presidential candidate, but it's all good. Hey, I, it's all good. Know, I will admit we had a conversation at one point because I did not know your last name. <laughs> and when I messaged that to the chat, everyone was like, wait, are you kidding me? Did you not tell us? And I was like, no, 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 Don't worry. But I kind of want to really quickly just start the conversation that we were just having right before we went live about yeah. sound money fest oh my god i mean like my girlfriend keeps going back and forth on like i say i want to go see logic but he's going to be performing at the same time as steve aoki oh she, come on what are you doing I, I know there's a part of me where it's like i i love house music i do but like i love rap i love rap oh. and like i am going to be jamming out when logic plays every day oh my god i you will just if you see a guy with like crazy long hair just oh <laughs> so any any of you guys watching if you don't get a chance to see me uh in the first couple conference days if you go to sound money fest and see me dancing like a madman feel free to come join and vibe it out yo i'm down with hip-hop and like r&b dude like okay low-key i was actually vice president of the hip-hop club in high school so okay. Okay. Your, your boy has moves your boy has moves bro i i love that who, who of our Sound Money Fest, so for those who are not familiar, Sound Money Fest is a one-day music festival that is on the very last day of the conference. There's no speakers, there's no overlap, so you're not missing any of the marquee keynote speeches, you're not going to miss any announcements. We are selling individual tickets for that as well. Uh, however, like if you have a GA ticket, you also have the invite to attend Sound Money Fest. It is going to just be epic. I'd love to just sort of hear from you, maybe what, what artists you're really excited about. Yeah, okay, first of all, this is sick. Like when I heard that, you know, y'all were gonna do like a music festival, I expected like, you know, Bitcoin musicians, right? <laughs> or like YouTubers, but y'all have like real artists coming here. Like these are the, this is like a real music festival, bro. Like you got Logic, Steve Aoki, like Dead Not, dude, all of these people. Um, Like DJ Soda, like what? <laughs> I mean, let's go. I'm I legit, all of that stuff. Shout out to Kim Taylor, who has been programming this whole thing. She's been a rock star to really like bring this to life. I was joking with her about a month ago. I was like, dude, this is the exact type of thing that like when I was in college, my like fraternity e-board, we would have just looked up all of the upcoming events for that semester and been like, yo, there's a one day music festival here in town. Like we don't need to travel. It's only a hundred bucks a ticket. Like let's go. Yeah, so what is it's this? gonna 110 to like get in? That's wild. That yeah, is so just for the Sound Money Fest ticket is $110. So that and you can wild. use the discount codes. I believe YT Mag will still work even if you just want to attend Sound Money Fest. I won't hold it against you. For, for you youngins watching, I would have probably done the same thing, but I cannot emphasize enough. If you have a GA ticket, you're coming. I'd love to maybe hear from you. I know you attended last year and you're gonna be there as well this year. What was what was like your favorite memory or moment from last year? Last year was a trip. And honestly, I have mad respect for the Bitcoin Magazine team because y'all did something that was I thought was impossible. You guys threw the first 
in-person conference, the largest in-person conference in the middle of a pandemic. Like, I don't know how y'all did it, but like, I have mad respect for y'all. And um, it was wild. My favorite part was like, when I, <laughs> I went like maybe two days early and um, no matter what random bar I went to, there was a bunch of Bitcoiners. So we literally like overtook like the city of Miami, which was um, awesome. And then, yeah, like the conference was dope. You had like a lot of like really cool speakers. I was there when um, Jack Mahler's announced the whole El Salvador thing, which was, that felt like historic, man. That, that really felt um, historic and special. One thing that I thought was really cool was the sponsorship area was always packed. You know, I've been to some conferences and like the sponsorship areas get zero traction, but you all had hell amount of people out there. So, I mean, if you all, if you Bitcoin companies are looking to sponsor a conference, definitely do 2022 because they got it going on. I don't know what you guys do. I don't know what the secret sauce is, but I'm constantly sponsoring. We're out there. We're going to be there. So like, we know what's up. We know what's happening. Any brands out there listening, you, you heard it from one of our brand partners already. They they loved it. I mean, I was not a member of Bitcoin Magazine at last year's conference. I was literally going booth to booth, shaking hands, trying to meet people, trying to get a job in Bitcoin. And let me tell you, there were some booths. We were waiting 15, 20 minutes for someone yeah. to like be free. Um, and I mean, we've talked on this show a lot. I've shared my, I agree with you that the Mallers El Salvador announcement was like wow. monumental wow. and it is just as a bitcoiner anyone who's in that room like you will remember when el salvador was the first country to make bitcoin or at least put forward the notion that we're going to make it legal tender to clarify they did vote on that like a week later but bukele made that announcement there like i'll never forget i was sitting next to one of the investors of strike like wow. this guy is like one of the money people behind strike yeah. and he was like just wait, like so, what's about to happen is about to like change your world, my friend. Insane. And he did not oversell. He did not oversell that. Yeah. Oh, another know. one. Another one was, uh, I don't know who made this pairing, but freaking Max Kaiser and Michael Saylor. Come on. That's like two amazing like personalities. Just like they, and they were like playing off each other so well. Fire, fire talk right there. We need more of that energy. I know Kaiser's very excited. I, uh, I'm in a Telegram chat with him and he's so excited that he asked me to not mention the project that we're working on. Okay, okay. And just wait, and just wait until we see each other at the conference. That's how excited he is. He's just, he's ready. He's already, I can see him just being even more brazen than he was last year. I mean, the way he's just F Elon and the bright orange shirt with his marquee <laughs> white blazer. Like that's, that's the Bitcoin fit right there. That's the Bitcoin uniform. Max Kaiser, he is a Bitcoin treasure. You know how like they say, oh, this person's a national treasure. This guy is a Bitcoin treasure. I don't care if he has haters or whatever. I don't care, dude. Like I love the guy. He's awesome. Max, I keep, I hope you keep doing what you're doing, man. Cause you're awesome. Uh, shout out Kaiser. Shout out Maulers. Uh, to shout, shout out Michael Saylor. I mean, the, Hey, they're all going to be there again this year in 22. They're all going to be speaking in addition to countless other guests that we've announced, countless other guests that we will be announcing. If you want to stay up to date, maybe hear some of these speakers talk. We host a weekly basis on Twitter 
I believe it is at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, where P, the head of programming, and George, who is the head of marketing for the conference, uh, put together the spaces. Any and all new speaker announcements sort of join, and they just sort of talk about the conference. Last week, we ended up, the, the whole conversation got derailed, my bad, P, uh, and we started talking a lot about some of the legislative issues that were sort of happening right around that same day. Feel free to tune into those spaces as well. Get a little bit more info on some of your conference speakers, maybe those that you're not as familiar with. I'd love to, Jason, give you, or sorry, Andrew, give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about CASA and just sort of what you guys are working on for those of our audience who aren't necessarily as familiar with the wallet product you guys have, maybe touch on that a little bit as well. So no, CASA, CASA is a, I think it's the most secure way to um, store your Bitcoin in cold storage. And honestly, it's, it's pretty easy to use, uh, super flexible, it's redundant. And so I think, you know, what's interesting is that like for Bitcoiners, we have like, like high time preference, right? Like, so we look years out into the future. Um, and that's why we invest in Bitcoin, because we think like, you know, no matter what the volatility is today in 10 years from now, it's like we think it's going to, you know, appreciate very, very well. Low time frame preference, my bad. And so here's the thing, like uh, how are people thinking about their Bitcoin security? Right. Do we have the same low time preference behavior and processes for securing your Bitcoin? Right. Are you protecting your Bitcoin 10 years from now? 20 years from now, like how secure is your setup? And are you confident that like maybe in the next generation that you're going to be able to transfer your Bitcoin to your kids, right? And so CASA is a multi-six system and it we help you figure all that stuff out. And we have a system where there's no single point of failure when it comes to your wallets and um, it's redundant, it's safe. And what that means is that, you know, instead of having like one Bitcoin wallet for one key, one seed phrase, you can create one wallet with three keys or five keys. And um, what this means is that if you lose one key, you're still fine. Like uh, it's okay if somebody like steals one of your seed phrases because they need to hit a certain threshold to send Bitcoin out of that multi-seed wallet. And so that's why I think it's a lot more secure, redundant, safe and great for keeping it for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. I, I think you hit a, a great point about just time preference. Those of us who are Bitcoiners, like I would say the vast majority, we're not really looking to, to resell and go back to a fiat currency. I'm sure there are investors who are still sort of stuck in that mentality. So I won't say everyone, but I would, I would be hard pressed to find true Bitcoiners who don't view, hey, I'm not doing this for the next five years. I'm doing this for 10 for my children for the next right. 100 years for generational wealth. And I, I love the fact that that is your priority. It is very clear you have made a wallet for Bitcoiners by Bitcoiners. Talk to, talk to us a little bit about like maybe not necessarily mistakes that were made, but how you guys came to that conclusion. Like what were some inputs that you heard or maybe I, I, I won't say like bash on competitors, but maybe something you noticed of competitors doing that you were like, hey, definitely not that. Like what are the things that you are really focused on in that regard? Yeah. You know, one thing about our multi-sig wallet that I, I appreciate is that this is the only thing we focus on. You know, this is our bread and butter. We don't do anything else. And I think that's one of the reasons why people appreciate CASA because we're hyper-focused on Bitcoin. We're hyper-focused on multi-sig security. And the benefits of that is that our UX is beautiful, man. Like um, I was, I recently pushed out like some videos and creative videos and tutorials and stuff. 
And um, if you guys aren't familiar with how multi-sig works or what it uses, like go to our YouTube channel. It's um, Casa Huddle on YouTube. Yeah, just check out our videos and you'll see just like how pretty and beautiful and easy it is to like receive Bitcoin, send Bitcoin, do help checks and all that stuff. Yeah, some mistakes that I think we help people avoid is actually one of the most common reasons why people lose their Bitcoin is because they shoot themselves in the foot. Some, some funny stories I've heard, especially on Reddit, is that like, I remember one dude, he freaking wrote his a story in a Google Doc. And in that story, he, he um, interspersed his seed phrase into it. And he thought, oh, nobody's going to crack the code. Like, um, this is super secure. Like, a week later, uh, his, his funds got stolen. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. And then like last year, or, or there was like that story of like this Ripple exec who basically locked himself out of his Bitcoin wallet because he forgot his password, right? And so like our system helps you pro, uh, from making that same mistake where you lock yourself out of your wallet. Um, if you use our software, if you follow the CASA standard, your Bitcoin is going to be around for generations to come. Oh, I think you're muted. Q. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, um, I, I'm literally so floored at someone's arrogance to think that like, oh, Google Sheets is going to be a safe place to just store. I mean, look, am I guilty of maybe reusing passwords that Google has been like, hey, by the way, this password has been compromised? Yes. For accounts that like I'm mad at, I have to make an account for. Like, go ahead, hack that account. But, but like... I mean, it's interesting too, because we also keep learning about like what is right practice and what is wrong practice right. on safety and storage. Can you talk a little bit about like things that you have maybe changed your mind about over the years being a Bitcoiner? Was there something that when you first started, you were like, this is, this, this is how we should think about it. This is how we should approach this problem. And then now you're like, I can't believe we ever thought that or I, I, we were so wrong. Yeah. You know, before I got into Bitcoin, I did not have a very good security mindset. I, you know, I wasn't an engineer. So one of the things I love about Bitcoin is that it helps you become kind of like a Renaissance man. You've got to be good at, um, you know, macroeconomics. You got to be good about digital security, um, physical security. You got to be good. You got to, you know, I feel like have a somewhat decent understanding of like, you know, how code works and all that stuff. And um, even cryptography. So there's, it's such an interdisciplinary thing that Bitcoin is, and it just leveled me up in all of those areas. And so learning more about digital privacy, learning more about not reusing passwords, right? Like I reuse the same password on all my stuff before Bitcoin, but, you know, using a password manager, I think is great. But yeah, I guess like one thing that kind of was a bit of a stretch and took some use to get comfortable with is like our mostly seedless setup, like at Casa. And so I was so, you know, bought into the ideas that like, you got to back up your seed phrase, you got to write it down, punch it in steel plate, protect it, all that stuff. Right. But once you move to a multi-sig model, it's like, it's a little different. Like you don't have to be as rigorous in terms of backing up that seed phrase. Right. Um, and so for our three or five model, we actually recommend that out of the three hardware wallets that you set up, because the Casa key and the mobile keys are key form five, only keep one seed phrase. And the reason for that is because you're going to take your hardware wallet, you're going to place it in different geographic locations. So somebody could come across your setup, find the seed phrase, take a picture of it and put it back. You've now been compromised and you don't even know it. Right. And that's not like a super great situation. And so that's why, you know, one of the reasons that's why we recommend having a mostly seedless setup, write down the seed phrase to set your hardware wallet up, then burn it and destroy it. But make sure you only keep one. 
And by keeping one, you'll be able to always recover your Bitcoin using the Casa key, the mobile key, and the one C phrase you wrote down. And so um, just embracing the mostly seedless setup um, was a bit uncomfortable at first, but now that I've done it and like I use Casa as well, uh, it makes sense to me. So yeah, that's one of the lessons I've learned. I mean, to be honest with you, I cringed a little bit at the idea of burning my seed phrases. I know. I've scattered around various locations, given to like the next of kin sort of deal. Yeah. It's interesting to see sort of how we are developing the security out of this space. Like it, it is very much changing, much like all of the information that we get from the space. I like to say Bitcoin is an industry that's still in its teenage years. Like we're very much talking about a business that is is changing overnight on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I love the fluidity of the way you guys approach it. I love how you know you guys are staying on your toes and able to sort of change and transition elsewhere. So Q, like on that note, bro, like I just want to settle on this for a little bit. The coolest part of my job is that I feel like I'm pioneering stuff that like is unique to Bitcoin and that's never been done before. And I love that. Like it is so awesome. And so like, here's an example, our inheritance program, right? We, there's nothing else in this space that does what we do. There's no way that you can have an inheritance program and set up with a company in a non-custodial way, but we've figured it out. And it's super cool. The way that we've set this up and structured it is unique to Bitcoin and it's unique to Casa. And the way that we've kind of approached it and understood is that like, you know, Coinbase, Gemini, you know, Fidelity or whatever, like these are custodians. They actually have to keep your assets, right? And so they're actually liable for a whole bunch of stuff. And that's why you have to be super rigorous when it comes to transferring your assets once you pass away. But within the CASA system, uh, there's we don't have custody over your Bitcoin. Even if we wanted to transfer your Bitcoin to your beneficiaries, we couldn't because we don't have the keys. And so what we've done is we've created a system where uh, our inheritance program, where you know we transfer the CASA account to your beneficiaries, you list your beneficiaries ahead of time, and we make sure that you have all the keys that you need in order to recover your Bitcoin. And the beautiful part of it is that CASA doesn't necessarily take on a huge ton of reli- uh, liability. It's, it's the person that the account gets transferred to, right? And so rather than having to sign a whole bunch of legal contracts and getting lawyers involved and, and all this stuff, it's literally you name your, your recovery custodians who can be a beneficiary or a trustee or whatever. You name them beforehand by registering into our program. And then if you pass away, they show a death certificate, uh, government-issued ID, and um, we will immediately transfer the assets to them to bypass probate, you know? So that's like an example where I feel like, man, we are doing some really cool stuff that is, and we're pioneering inheritance for a self, like for a non-custodial system. And um, I don't know, it's just a privilege to just be a part of that. I, I love that, man. Like a, the fact that you're so passionate about being able to like shape the industry forward in a direction yeah. that you, you want to see it change and be to, to create an offering for your clients, for customers that is just not available anywhere else. My hat goes off to you guys. So cheers, <laughs> cheers to that, man. I do want to present a question from our YouTube chat really quickly. And Let's this has it. actually come up a few times, but is Casa worldwide or where, where is it available currently? So we're worldwide. We don't KYC, right? Some other um, providers and multi-state providers, you got a KYC. We don't, you don't have the KYC with CASA. 
uh, I think we support credit card payments in several jurisdictions, but you can pay with Bitcoin. So if you're like, no matter what part of the world you're in, you can pay for your subscription in Bitcoin. And so we can serve you. Um, so we can serve anybody. And the best part is you can even do this pseudonymously. You know, you don't have to tell us your name if you don't want to. We don't want to know. And so, yeah, like anybody in the world can purchase Casa and you can do it pseudonymously. My fellow clubs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Bitcoin 2022, April 6th through the 9th is the ultimate pilgrimage for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The Bitcoin conference is the biggest event in all of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We're leveling up and making this bigger and better than ever. I'm talking straight to the moon with the four day long festival in the heart of Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center. This has something for everyone. Whether you're a high-powered Bitcoin entrepreneur, a core developer, or a Bitcoin newbie, Bitcoin 2022 is the ultimate place for you to be with your people and celebrate and learn about the Bitcoin culture. So make sure to go to b.tc forward slash conference to lock in your official tickets and use promo code Satoshi for 10% off. Want more off? Pay in Bitcoin and you'll receive $100 off general admission and $1,000 off whale pass. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history. Wonderful. Uh, and you kind of touched on it. This feeds into another question we just received, actually. But the subscriptions, I'm assuming there are tiers. Maybe walk us through like what price points and what they're being offered in each price point, if you could. Just another question from our chat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, Casa, we have four tiers. There's silver. It's a single key. It's free. Just download the app, log in, you have it. Second tier is gold. Uh, this is a two or three multi-sig, $120 a year. It is, I mean, super cheap, I think, to use a multi-sig wallet. And then from there, we have platinum. Platinum is a three or five multi-sig. It's $1,800 a year. And uh, it comes with an onboarding package and you get a client advisor such as myself. That means you get on a phone call, a video call with, with a real human being, and we'll walk you through setup. And if you have any questions, we're super responsive. We'll respond to you day of within three hours, like, like that's our SLA. And then diamond, you get the same thing in platinum. You can enable a sixth key if you want. You can get team members where you can share ownership of this multi-sig with other people if you want. You get access to the inheritance program, and you also get that onboarding package plus a steel plate. And so uh, Diamond is $5,000 a year. Awesome. Well, Wade, I hope this sort of helps. And Robbie, I hope uh, over in Belgium, Isai, Tony, shut up. Uh, Robbie, over in Belgium, I hope uh, this helps you and you're able to safely and securely hold your Bitcoin. Andrew, I do want to maybe uh, shift back over to a little bit of confidence, a little bit more Bitcoin news. Let's do uh, it. You know, I'll, I'll present this to you sort of right now, but just this morning, India re released an announcement that they are essentially their finance minister, I believe, is go rolling back on their Bitcoin ban. And they've introduced a 30% tax on cryptocurrencies at large. That said, as I was reading a little bit more, like the regulation of that is questionable and whether or not they'll be able to actually collect that tax remains to be seen. I just find it interesting that yet another country that turned around, not even what, it was a month ago, two months ago, that they announced crypto, Bitcoin, you're banned. Absolutely not. In a billion citizen country, they banned it. 
after, and don't forget the country just north of them with over a billion people as well, has also banned mining, has banned trading of Bitcoin. So you now have these two large countries that are essentially, one, both of them did ban it. Now one has balked on that ban. You also have Russia that tried to ban it and then immediately turned around and was like, wait, 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 time out. If we do this, we could be the best at it. What do you, geopolitically speaking, do you, th- do you think this plays an effect on what China may or may not do? Yeah, I think that like, it's a good thing that India is rolling back regulation, um, even though 30% is pretty steep as a tax. I mean, we have something similar with like long-term gain, um, gains taxes here in the US. It's good. It's good because it's going to bring more volume to the crypto markets, to the Bitcoin market. And the trend that I'm seeing is that you have like these you know, developing countries or people or or countries that aren't like um, first world countries, they're leveraging crypto to get an advantage, right? In the meantime, you have these first first world countries like the US and China who are going the opposite direction. And that doesn't make sense, right? Man, and like specifically around US, like guys, like Bitcoin, like solves like the economy. Like, look, if you you want to improve the US economy and you want to increase Fed rates, like open up regulations around Bitcoin, man, right? If you want to help the economy grow, open up regulations around Bitcoin and crypto and trading and all that stuff, right? In in a pandemic where you're asking retail uh, stores to shut down and um, not open up and you're losing workers and you can't hire workers and you got 7% inflation, like what's the answer? The answer is to move to digital businesses. Like, and that's what crypto is, right? Like you can stay at home. So instead of limiting it and Joe Biden saying, oh, we've got, it's a national security that we got to regulate Bitcoin, like screw that, like open it up and you'll improve and bring health back to the US economy. Like, come on, it's, it, to me, it's like a no brainer. And it's, it's really telling, cause like literally over this weekend, I just, I went to a mall and it's kind of sad cause it was like a hometown mall. This is where like, I grew up, like my first blind date was at this mall, right? And like, this is where my high school and junior high kids, like this is where we would go to just kick it. I go in there, empty stores, like a whole wing of the mall, no stores open, completely shut down. There was this even, this one store where they just gave up. If the store was open, you have clothes all over the floor. It's like completely disheveled. There was no attendant, but it was open. Like they've given up, right? And what's interesting is that, like, I feel like the retail market and and malls, uh, like with the advent of like Amazon and online shopping, like they were just making it and they were surviving. Like these malls were still open um, pre-pandemic. But once that black swan hit, hit, everything shut down. They were screwed. They couldn't open up. They couldn't make money. And so what's the answer? Honestly, to me, the answer is opening up regulations around um, Bitcoin and crypto, man open up the floodgates, let businesses thrive, let America become like, you know, the leader in all of this. And let's go, man. I love, I love where we go in this scenario as like sort of the end. I want to push back a little bit because I don't necessarily agree with how we start. Like present day, there's no regulations. If a business wanted to turn around and say, I will accept Bitcoin in whatever capacity, they theoretically could just do that. There's no one saying, no, don't do that. And I almost feel like regulation would inhibit that. It would almost put up these sort of like barriers where, oh, you know what? Actually, you can't pay for this with Bitcoin. You you can, but like not 
at this time because whatever oh you know we want to be fair to the bank so you can only transact in bitcoin nine to five like some stupid regulation that doesn't make sense because people who don't understand bitcoin are going to be the ones writing these laws so can you elaborate a little bit more what what is an example of legislation that you'd like to see introduced in this capacity yeah bitcoin is legal tender hands down right so that's an example of where uh regulation helps then you can go to whatever online merchant you want, pay for stuff, not have to pay cap gains, you, you, and like you're done. Like you don't have to worry about all that um, minutia around that. You know, there's one thing that I've, so currency is um, traded all over the world and none of that has to, is like, like let's say for example, um, I go to France and I have the US cash and then like I go to France and I buy like a coffee there. Like there's no cap gains on that either, right? And so I think it's fine to like, maybe if you're buying and selling Bitcoin or as, as, uh, as an asset for a speculative asset, like, okay, maybe like you do uh, pay cap gains on that. But like, if I'm in a different country and I'm purchasing a good or service, then I don't think there should be any cap gains around that. And that's just going to increase usage on the Lightning Network. That's going to increase Bitcoin's utility. It's going to increase uh, digital commerce. It's going to bring health back to the economy in a, in a non-retail friendly environment. Um, yeah, so that that's one example where I think it'd be huge. It'd be huge if we could do that. Vegan Zombie, just as a heads up, uh, unless you're in El Salvador, no, Bitcoin is not legal tender anywhere else in the world. Um, so that is why we're having this conversation. And you bring up an excellent point. Once a currency is legal tender, you're no longer taxed on any gains. However, I, I want to, again, sort of challenge you because... There is this notion of, oh my God, there's so much money being made in Bitcoin and crypto at, at large. Sorry, I said the bad word, but let's think of it on a global <laughs> global yeah. macro scale for just let's a do hot it. second. Sorry, this is what happens when you give me the mic. There is, I believe, a large pushback that is never going to be vocalized about making it legal tender in the US because you will no longer be able to collect those taxes. So does that mean that we follow a formula much like many Bitcoiners have laid out where we go to pure store of value first, and then we go to a medium of exchange, i.e. we turn it into legal tender? Does that formula still allow for businesses to have this? Does it allow for this unlocked where you're able to just travel borderless? I personally think so, but I'd like to sort of let you answer that. Yeah. Um, so, so one point of clarification, like foreign currencies are traded back and forth, like all over the world, like on derivatives exchanges, all that is taxable events. It's cap gains. Um, and it's because they're the purpose of that is like speculative, like they're, they're on those exchanges. And so I, Honestly, I think it's like a similar model with like Bitcoin, even if uh, Bitcoin is legal tender for purchasing goods and services, that's not a taxable event. But if you're buying and selling as a speculative asset and like you're on an exchange, you're on um, Gemini, you're on Kraken or whatever, or you're on Swan and you're buying and selling the stuff, then maybe that is a cap gains. I, I think that's a fair thing. And that's a fair way for uh, people to, for, I don't know. Yeah. For the, all this to work. Totally. I mean, look. I, I'm not a fan of how much we pay in taxes. I pay too damn much. And, and you and I both do because we live in California. Yeah. So that, that already sucks. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the way government spends their tax dollars. 100%. Um, I, I will shift for a hot sec to a different example of you know taxing an untaxed industry, marijuana. It's on the state level, as someone who has smoked and bought weed for years, let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you how Let's mad go. I am that it's legal in California. It is right. so much more expensive. Sure, the quality is 
more controlled. It's not as variable. Take that with a grain of salt as you will. It's a crop that grows like just like a grocery store. You can get a bruised apple. You can get a, a shitty strain of weed without realizing. You, get a, you can get a bunk bottle of wine without realizing until you open and drink it. So I always loved the meme where we make weed legal and every dollar that is collected from those taxes you turn around and it's immediately put into repaving roads and we call yeah. it operation pothole it just it makes sense it just <laughs> makes sense so what is what is operation pothole in bitcoin what does that look like and what do we call it oh man i don't know there's like i mean so this is like a personal question and um there's a lot of things that like i'm passionate about like you know mental health you know like helping like the homeless. And so, I mean, on a personal level, I would probably want to go to those uh, initiatives, but who knows, like maybe it's infrastructure for like the U.S. and stuff. But man, like, you know, the U.S. is historically bad at like waging war against like bad things. Like, uh, what was it? The war on drugs, they lost. Uh, War on cryptography, they lost. Uh, War on Bitcoin, they're going to lose. You know, so um, there's a trend here and I'm, I'm always going to be bullish on um, Bitcoin, no matter what, what happens on the government side of things. I, I also, you know, I'm on the side of all press is good press. And even yep. when, look, you can directly point to China banning Bitcoin, the hash rate dropping drastically. And as a result, the price followed shortly after that. Yep. There is a very clear sort of, you can point to cause and effect. We're drawing conclusions, but... I think confidently we can draw that conclusion. However, then we saw the hash rate increase. We saw a new all-time high hit. And if anything, one of the largest concerns over Bitcoin prior to this mining ban out of China was they have a majority of the hash rate. And now we've seen the hash rate democratized. I almost want to side on on the side of, like, I welcome other countries. I I frankly welcome any, any developed nation to say, no, no, we're not doing Bitcoin, hmm. to allow for these countries that have sort of been like screwed over by the fiat system and who have not benefited from the fiat system to have their data rise up. I think it is vitally important. However, I also know people who are like, no, we can't, like if too many countries ban it, then all of a sudden we are siloed off. There is that part of game theory where we may we may give credence to the idea that, hey, as more countries adopt, more countries will adopt. I think there is another side to it that if more countries ban it, more countries may also ban it. And then you turn into this game of, all right, who, where's the majority meeting? Is it more people have accepted it or more people have banned it? I'd love to hear your thoughts on something like that. Yeah. I mean, just ban it if you want, you're missing out. Like if you ban it, you're banning yourself from Bitcoin. And I think that's just, that's your mistake. And to your point, you know, we're seeing developing countries adopt Bitcoin and we're seeing like, you know, mining, like becoming more decentralized um, and democratized. I, and the beautiful part is like, I don't know if you've read The Sovereign Individual. I love it. We had a conversation with Breedlove last week of, about it. So you're seeing what he's describing in real life. You're seeing a digital world bringing access and resources and finances and um, just upward mobility uh, through, through, the, through the digital world, right? El Salvador was completely screwed, completely dependent on, they're a completely dollarized country, right? But now that they have Bitcoin, they're starting to move, you know, they're not as susceptible to US inflation and not getting affected by it as much, right? Uh, because they have Bitcoin on their balance sheet. 
you have countries adopting Bitcoin mining, right? And、um, you can have businesses that can develop in developing world countries and be profitable. And then you have governments automatically benefiting from that because you know you're taxing businesses、um, from profitable companies. And so these people who maybe、um, didn't have an axe a way to move up and to gain more wealth, now they do. And it's and it's a beautiful thing because we're seeing the globalization of a world economy being centered around Bitcoin, and it's to me it gets me so excited and brings more equality into the world. I love it. I mean, look, we we talk a lot in the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin fixes this. Bitcoin solves that. You kind of you've you've alluded and touched on a few of these things, especially economically speaking. What is What is another area that maybe isn't focused on that you would like to sort of start a conversation over? Bitcoin fixes this, and how does it, in your mind, fix this? Yeah, that's a good question. So, what's an area that I think that Bitcoin fixes that other people haven't like talked about? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm putting、yeah. you on the spot, and it can, it can <laughs> cheat, you could cheat and just like roll back and be like, well, economy, finances, fiat currency, like. Yeah. Definitely put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think one thing it could solve is、uh, digital identity. And here's the nice thing about it from a multi-sig perspective. And、uh, don't want to give away too much, but it's kind of like you can treat your multi-sig key set as a digital identity, right? And then so、um, that's if you receive Bitcoin、um, from finance, you know, if you receive Bitcoin,、um, that's tied to your multi-sig. And you know your digital identity can persist even if your key set changes because let's say you lose one key and you rotate in another key to create a new key set. Well, you have four of the same keys from the previous key set, so that's another way to just kind of digitally identify your identity online. And so, if we have that as the starting point of、um, people's online digital identities, then it's flexible, it's redundant, and you know if it's good enough for money, then it might be good enough for、uh, online identities. And and there's lots of different ways that you can kind of sign for that. Like if you can sign a message from one of your keys from your key sets and to verify or to log into like Reddit or something, right? So that's like an example. Yeah. And then、uh, there's a couple of other thoughts that I had, but oh man, I just it just、uh, skips my mind. But I think no. Oh, okay. So here's another one. So when it comes to mortgage lending, right? Um, you need to have a social security,、uh, or you need to have a credit score, good credit score, in order for you to access a loan, right? But you don't need that anymore if you have Bitcoin because it's a it's a collateralized loan. If you have the money, if you have the Bitcoin in order to secure a loan, who cares what your credit score is, right? Who cares what your、um, government identity is, right? And so that's another example where Bitcoin, I think, fixes this problem of. Digital identity, government identity, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your、um, credit score is. You have wealth. You have Bitcoin. Use that as collateral. Yeah. No, I I love that. I mean, look, I'm I'm a big believer that Bitcoin is going to change the way people are going to buy houses in the future. We see so many issues come up over that, whether it's access to loans, just or equal opportunities to get after it, but. You know, money talks, and if you have the money, if you have the Bitcoin to back it, it then becomes a question of who values that Bitcoin as much as we do. I am spacing on the company, but I know there was a recent announcement where there is now like Bitcoin mortgages being accepted, and you know, it's again game theory. I think it was Ledin. 
I think Lenin yep. um, announced it. Yeah, recently. Yep. And it, again, game theory. This bank is now offering it. Now they have a new revenue stream. They have a new opportunity. Oh, you know what? Boom. They all of a sudden got Bitcoin and now they see, hey, wait a minute. This stuff is really valuable. Like we have undervalued it. We don't necessarily need to increase our ratio of Bitcoin to collateralization, but we can still now start prioritizing this. And then other banks start to see, hey, wait a minute, they're making more money. The main difference between our bank and theirs is they're accepting Bitcoin. Okay. Then we, if they're making more money than us, because that's the only difference, we got to follow suit. And so the dominoes continue to fall. I mean, real estate in LA is the worst. So I don't know how. <laughs> We'll need a lot of Bitcoin to get our house in LA, but that's a, a whole other issue. As my eighth grade PE teacher said, LA and San Francisco are the butthole of American real estate. Ooh, ooh. You're not right. Southern California. But it's facts. But it's facts. Yeah. It is, it is so valid. Wait, uh, Q, let me ask you a question, dude. Please. So Bitcoin 22 is coming in April. April. Mm -hmm. I'm hyped. From a programming perspective, like, what can what am I gonna see? Like what what's gonna happen then, dude? Because give me some inside scoop, something, give so, me something to hide. I'll 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 tell you this as someone who attended the conference last year. You remember the main stage, how it was overflowing? Yes. Like people were bum rushing when Sailor went on stage. Then we had yeah. Jack Security like locked it up, all of that. So that main stage from last year is the equivalent of the whale section of the main stage this year. So oh. we have a specific section for our whales. Uh, so if you are a whale or have a whale pass, there will be a, a nice little roped off red carpet section, not really a red carpet, so don't quote me on that, but you'll have a roped off section. That entire section for the whales is the equivalent of what there was last year. That is like one-tenth of the size of the stage, uh, the, like the audience area. Yeah. So... We were, we were going over some stuff. Things are, things are changing literally day by day. Yeah. Uh, we're announcing new speakers all the time and I will never steal the thunder from the programming team given how hard they work on that stuff. But like, for example, we were just having a conversation about uh, a video component that we're also building out. <laughs> yeah. Chris essentially uh, helped me clarify this. The entire conference of 2021 can fit in this year's main stage. Dude. Like, what? okay, wait, wait, so last more bathrooms, was, more bathrooms. So no bathroom lines. Like that was the night. Hey, actually, that's a good point. Okay. Y'all need to get a well pass. Like I, I, I had one because Casa sponsor. Y'all need to get a well pass just because of the bathroom situation. Look, I know, <laughs> look, 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 I know y'all going to have more bathrooms. I get it. Right. Like, but let's be real. Let's be real. The line's going to be out the door. This was the first time in my life where I saw that the female restroom was no line and guys line was just like out the door for like, you had to wait 45 minutes because I had the well pass. I could use the bathroom like whatever I wanted, bro. So look, if you, yeah, just that's one of the benefits of well pass. You, you guys need to get one. I, I think we have to admit to ourselves as Bitcoiners that unfortunately, 90% of our demographic is male. So yes, I was shell shocked when I am with my friend's wife, she goes into the bathroom, comes out and I am still in line. And she was like, wow. I was like, to be honest, I'm about to go like behind a booth or something. Cause I cannot wait in this line. I did not I waited in the line, probably cut, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, beyond that too, I mean, I loved the area that it was at 
last yeah. year. It's, it's an arts Anyways. district. There's yeah. big on street art. And I love just seeing what artists can come up with, especially city to city. It's so unique and so different. I'm, I very much appreciate that. And I loved that. This time we're in Miami Beach, man. <laughs> like it's going to be in Miami Beach. We're going to be like, I'm going to be in swim trucks the whole time. I don't care. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I freaking love it. It's like we joke sometimes about how like last year it was, it, people were like surprised you brought up a very valid point. Like this was in the midst of the pandemic. I actually, funny enough, was interviewed. And when they sort of asked me, this did not make the cut of the actual interview. I think it was with NBC or whatever. They essentially asked everyone in line, like, oh, have you been to a, an event of this size since COVID? Because it was garnered at about 20,000 attendees. It was the largest event that most people had gone to. And then I'm the jackass who is like, no, I was just in uh, Scottsdale a couple of weeks ago at a <laughs> concert. There were like 50,000 people at that. <laughs> you. Why why are you blowing smoke up of a big one? That's hilarious. But yeah, dude. All right, let me let me pitch this idea to you. Okay. Programming pitch. You ready for this? Hit me. Okay. I don't know if you've already invited Andrew Yang. I, you don't you don't have to confirm or whatever. He, he but has it, been invited. Like, not you, Andrew invited. Yang. He is he is on our website already. So we can say yes. Oh, okay. Former presidential candidate Andrew Yang. Uh, as well as former presidential candidate George jo- Joe Jorgensen, um, are both confirmed. Uh, they will be there. As far as what their programming looks like, I believe that is still TBD. Okay, no. So I got you on the programming. You ready? You track. Yeah, follow man. me. Okay. So Andrew Yang interviews Andrew Yang. Done. Let's do it. That's it. That's the fu- that's the pitch, bro. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Like that would kill it, dude. Like social media outlets, news outlets would love that shit. You know, Andrew Yang interviews Andrew Yang. Come on, people love it. So pitch that to P for me, baby. Get me, get me on that. Let's go. I, uh, I will. I want to have uh, give you the opportunity to just touch on one more thing. Then we're going to go to a quick commercial break before Natalie Brunel uh, comes on live with us. But I know we touched on it a little bit about the beneficiaries for CASA. Can you just remind our viewers, Pleb Chris was asking, which of the four plans offers them the ability to add beneficiaries? That's the diamond plan. The diamond plan. Cool. Yeah. That? This time we're in Miami Beach, man. <laughs> like it's going to be in Miami Beach. We're going to be like, I'm going to be in swim trucks the whole time. I don't care. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Oh, I freaking love it. It's like, we joke sometimes about how like last year it was, people were like surprised. You brought up a very valid point. Like this was in the midst of the pandemic. I actually, funny enough, was interviewed. um, And when they sort of asked me, this did not make the cut um, of the actual interview. I think it was with NBC, whatever. They essentially asked everyone in line like oh have you been to a an event of this size since covid because it was garnered at about twenty thousand attendees it was the largest event that most people had gone to and then i'm the jackass who is like no i was just in uh scottsdale a couple weeks ago at a <laughs> concert there were like fifty thousand people at that <laughs> you why why are you blowing smoke up of a big one that's hilarious but yeah, dude. All right, let me let me pitch this idea to you, okay? Uh, it's a programming pitch. You ready for this? Hit me. Okay. I don't know if you've already invited Andrew Yang. I, you don't you don't have to confirm or whatever. He, he but has it, been invited. Like, not you, Andrew invited. Yang. He is he is on our website already, so we can say yes. Oh, okay. Former presidential candidate Andrew Yang, 
uh, as well as former presidential candidate George Joe Jorgensen, um, are both confirmed. Uh, they will be there. As far as what their programming looks like, I believe that is still TBD. Okay, no. So I got you on the programming. You ready? You track, follow me. Okay, so Andrew Yang interviews Andrew Yang. Done. Let's do it. That's it. That's the that's the pitch, bro. Let's go. <laughs> Like that would kill it, dude. Like social media outlets, news outlets would love that shit. You know, Andrew Yang interviews Andrew Yang. Come on, people love it. So, pitch that to P for me, baby. Get get me on that. Let's go. I uh, I will. I want to have uh give you the opportunity to just touch on one more thing. Then we're gonna go to a quick commercial break before Natalie Brunel uh comes on live with us. But I know we touched on it a little bit about the beneficiaries for CASA. Can you just remind our viewers, Pleb Chris was asking, which of the four plans offers them the ability to add beneficiaries? That's the diamond plan, the diamond plan. Cool. So Pleb Chris, you heard that diamond plan with CASA will get you the ability to uh, set up for your beneficiaries. Uh, We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to be joined by rock star Natalie Brunel, uh, and we'll be talking all about the MicroStrategy Conference yesterday, as well as some uh, breaking news. Uh, We'll we'll also be giving out some stats in the meantime, so stay stay logged on, stay tuned in. Yep. 